Hey guys, welcome back to the Feeding Podcast. Today we had the two besties, Iman and Zulfia, on the episode. We got to touch on both of their stories. Um, Iman living in Kuwait for over four years, you know, going out of her comfort zone in her early 20s, and Zulfia's journey from hijabi stylist to mod marker, to studying marriage networking. There were so many interesting gems in their stories. You guys are going to absolutely love this episode. Uh, remember to like, comment, and subscribe, and enjoy. I wanted to touch on, that's the first thing, like more of your upbringing and your story. Mm-hmm. And I think the first place would be high school. Mm-hmm. So you guys went to high school together? For a period, yeah. We met in grade five. Okay, so the early days. Yeah, but our school was a school where it was primary and secondary together. Damn. So it was, yeah, so... You guys aren't the same year level? Yeah. We okay. were for a bit. Yeah, that... Until the end. That, that's that's <laughs> the question I want to, to start with. Yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever, it's good, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> Maybe some people won't know, but obviously you're the only person I know that um, intentionally chose to repeat year 12. Yeah. And that's, that's already like... After skipping ahead... Like, because Skip. she skipped. Oh. Yeah, so you skipped, was it year 10? You yeah, skipped year 10, so I went from year 9 to year 11. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then you went into year 12, and you wanted to get into pharmacy. Uh, no, oh. no. So I'll tell you how it happened, right? Because I did not plan it as well. So I ended up uh, homeschooling for year 11, uh, and because I was, I finished year 9, and I was, like, kind of sick of school, and I was like, oh, I, I just felt like I, I want to try something different. I want to try homeschooling. So then I ended up um, going to homeschool and they saw my report and they're like, hey, we think you could do year 11. So I was like, okay, let me just try it. They go, if you struggle and you can't do it, then we'll put you back in it. So my parents were fine and I was fine. So then I did year 11 and I did a year 12 subject too. And then so once I'd finished year 11, I got my results for the year 12 subject and I really felt like it it was I'm like, I'm better off if I actually go to a school and do this. So I went to year 12. I mean, yeah, I did year 12 at a school, at a high school. And uh, I just cruised through year 12. Like I paid attention when I needed to. I enjoyed it. And I ended up, I think I ended up surprising my parents because I did, I think I did better than people had expected. And um, yeah. She's being modest. She got 92. So, <laughs> yeah, the thing is that I don't know what I think because I, I didn't talk myself up. Maybe people just had an expectation of me. So um, then I got into arts education at Monash and I studied for six months. And I remember just throughout that year, my dad would like be dropping hints and he's like, why don't you like do something else? Like, why don't you do pharmacy? Because teaching is a job that's going to require all of you and like more than just the nine to five. So I was like, all right, let me challenge myself because I only have like a year nine level understanding of science because in year 12 I went and did like humanities subjects. So then I thought instead of transferring from arts education into science and then I'm going to be competing against people who, for example, wanted to get into medicine but couldn't and then got into science. Like, So why don't I actually go back to year 12, do unit one, two, three, four of methods and chemistry and then do my year 12 and get straight into pharmacy like that. So it was like, it's actually, and you don't get penalised for it. And they for the subjects that you do twice, so like I did some subjects twice. I did English again. Um, I did legal studies again to bump up my score further. And they actually take the highest of the two. No. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, but it's, it's, way, it's way better. It's just you have to like put your ego aside. I think that's the only thing. And I went back to the same school. Oh, that is bad. <laughs> oh. So they were like, 
Zofia, like, are you visiting <laughs> us? I'm like, no, I'm starting here again. What did the kids think? Like, who's this crazy girl repeating year 12? Yeah, because, like, they were two years younger than me because I'd been to uni for one year. And so I'd missed out on when my original year level graduated and I was with the younger year level. But I was 18 when I was 17, I think, at the time. Yeah, so I was still young. So, yeah, it all ended up working out. And then I ended up getting to pharmacy directly, alhamdulillah. But it was all the way at La Trobe in Bendigo. And then I transferred into Monash, which was what I wanted in my second year. Damn. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Okay. And from that, from when you finished school, how well, long... How did you know that about me? I feel like not many people actually know that. <laughs> this is the why I made those. <laughs> okay. this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Um, so from that, did you study pharmacy and you completed the degree and yeah, work in the field? Yeah, I did. So I finished pharmacy and then I worked at Monash Medical Centre uh, in a hospital setting for three years. And then I worked at uh, retail pharmacy for three years. And then now you don't work at pharmacy? Now, no. Okay. So I'm, technically I'm still a registered pharmacist, but I'm not practicing. Okay. We'll touch on that anyway. Yeah. But you at 17, your dad pushed you to do it again. Or like you said, your dad motivated you. Like he's like, uh, why not? He kind of, I think he just realized like, oh, maybe, maybe she can do... You know, I think maybe he saw that there was potential there beyond what he had originally thought. <laughs> I'm trying to be polite. Right? <laughs> is, is that a common thing, like in your childhood, where your dad might be like, "Hey, you can probably do a bit. You can probably do more." Or no, 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 I don't think so. It was just more like uh, my parents didn't get very much involved in my education at all, except in my Islamic education. Like uh, they were really like that was a priority for them. But all of the other education, like that I did at school, that was all kind of like. They wouldn't even ask to see my reports. So they weren't very f- worried. I think they just saw me doing fine and then they were just like... Is that because you were homeschooled, do you think? I was homeschooled for one year. Just one year? Yeah, yeah, year what, 11. What's your thoughts on homeschooling then? Like some of the experience there? It's so different because like when people think homeschool, they think like primary school. A lot of people home, prim- like homeschool their children in primary. But because I had a high school experience of it, it was a lot more like I had to push myself. I had to study myself. My parents weren't teaching me at this point. You know, so I'd still go into school once a week. Uh, the reason why I did it was because I felt like, I just felt like at school I was, didn't feel like socially, I'm like in year nine, everyone's starting to do these things. I'm like, I don't feel like that's me. Now I feel like if I stay at school, I'm going to start doing everything that everyone else does. And I just wanted to step away from that. So homeschooling ended up being better for you, like socially. In the long run. Oh, definitely. Sometimes I actually it could be the opposite for people. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about homeschooling yeah. as, in, as like in high school that people don't realise is, you actually have more time. So I had two sisters at this time in uni. I would be going out with them. I would be enjoying my life more. So I actually had a great time that year because I was free. Because if you think about it, like at school, so much time is dragged doing other things. So it's like, you know, your discipline that occurs, that takes time, then there's lunch times, all this stuff. So I'd just get my work done in a couple of hours and then I'd have the rest of the day free. So it was actually pretty good. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And post-school, um, how long after school did you start the hijabi stylist? Yes, yeah. so I think I started that when I was studying pharmacy. Like how, like I'd be studying and then I wanted to do, yeah, I just started doing that for fun on the side. But she was the unofficial hijab stylist for a long time prior. Oh. Like she was the go-to person. Like whenever anyone needed hijab yeah. styling or whatever it was, like fashion advice at the time, Sufia was like our go-to yeah. person. But that's how it started, from, yeah. like, from like Just like a hobby, yeah. Yeah, helping people, I think that's how it started. And then helping more people and then like helping people who aren't your friends, then it's like, okay, okay. now I'm going to actually start charging. And it's more serious. Yeah, so I actually started doing that as a business and um, styling like people for their engagements, their weddings and things like that. Were you also like 
for the people that don't understand, were you like selling scarves as well or just styling? Styling. Okay. Yeah. So what people would do is like at this time, because now this is going back probably 10 years. So there weren't, there weren't other hijab stylists around at the time in Australia anyway. There was probably like maybe one or two. And so it, it, it wasn't a common thing. So people were still doing the thing where they like find a really nice expensive dress and it's like, you know, hundreds of dollars and then they'd just wear a skivvy under it. Uh, you know, and then they'd match it with a scarf. So what I'd be doing is like creating an actual, like a bodice piece to suit the dress that's made out of the same fabric. And then I'd style it with a scarf and put a headpiece on. So it all looks like it's one design. Were you into yeah. fashion before that? Like, is that just some uh, like a passion of yours or interest? Like, I was always up? into like dressing nicely. Like, I always like that. I like style. I feel like I, I feel good when I look good and I think especially as someone who wore a scarf often in environments where other people didn't I feel like it was important for me to like I found like helping myself and then helping others it helps boost your confidence and self-esteem so I think that for me it was tied heavily to that and like the that was my the real drive behind it yeah. okay and then from hijabi stylist you did that for a couple of years yeah and that went into a mod market like yeah, yeah, it, it developed into that. Okay, so one venture jumping into the next. Yeah. How'd Mod Market start? So Mod Market started... <laughs> so Mod Market started... Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, so I had <laughs> had a child at this time. Um, and then I was like, I don't want to do the hijab stylist thing anymore. I don't want... Uh, it was just going in a direction where having a child, you know, all my priorities were as important to me the whole experience of being pregnant and all of that, I feel like it it just changed me and shaped me in a way where I thought I don't want to do this specifically anymore, hijab styling, but what I would like to do is bring the community together. When I say community, I mean modest fashion, women, uh, and create like social events where they can come and also instead of me like creating um, like clothing or because I also tried to start a fashion label at one stage that's what I tried and I struggled with that and I was like oh, this is so hard I'd rather actually you were bring also sewing clothes for people like yeah. I'll never forget that dress you made me for Nadine's engagement oh, there you go but that's that dress. so you're making clothes as well and yeah so like that I've always been into that stuff but then I think with mod market I thought okay it's gonna be better for me and for everyone else if I just bring everyone who's already doing this together it's like provide a platform so yeah to show off their brands yeah yeah Okay, and then did you get like inspiration from like Australian Fashion Week? If like I want to make a Muslim version, was um, there something to that? I feel like the inspiration was. It wasn't like anyone specifically that I can remember. It was just more. I just want something professional for us, and I want something for us because in our community, we're still a young community, I guess, in Australia. Um, like Muslims have been here for centuries, but there was like a second wave of Muslims and that's more recent. So there's still not many events outside of actual Islamic events for us. So there'll be like Islamic talks, lectures, camps, all this kind of stuff. But when it comes to other things that is like a social event, but it's for Muslims, like there wasn't as many of that. And I think for me that was important, again, like for the confidence, the identity, building that up as well as the fashion. Do you think the Muslim community was ready at that time for mod market? Was it a bit early, like even just timing-wise for yeah. like how many companies might have started after that? Because now it seems like everyone wants to read a fashion label. Yeah, Is yeah. that a thing? Like you, a couple of years later, it would have been different? I think it was the right time. Yeah, I think I it, it was, was the right, right time. time. Like I think it attracted a lot of – because you had vendors from Sydney coming down. Because the other thing I remember at the time that you mentioned so was Iman that was on the team. 
Yeah. Nice. So sure. the other thing at the that you mentioned at the time was that there were a lot of modest fashion options for people in Sydney, but not so much for the audience in Melbourne. And so at the time that yeah. you started Mod Market, you had vendors coming down from Sydney, which I think was like yeah. very indicative of where Melbourne was at the time because it was a bit different. Like the scene in Sydney yeah. has always, I guess, like I don't actually know the numbers, but my assumption is that the Sydney Muslim crew is like a lot like the population's a little bit bigger there as well. So it had more options than us, that's mm. true. And then the other thing is we ended up actually the last event we did was part of Melbourne Fashion Week. Yeah. Which is cool. Damn. Yeah, so they this? it was um well it was our own event it, but what happened it was one they advertised it as part of one of the things that they offer and they supported as well to organise the event. That's really cool. Yeah. So what did that change? Is it just promotion or just like even the um, overall like quality of the event, the brands that came? I think it, you know what it is, it changes, like there were practical things like in terms of they got us a spot at Queen Big Market for us to do, because there was two aspects of Mod Market, there was a new clothing and then there was a secondhand clothing that people would buy and sell and swap, so they uh, like gave us a space, they um, allowed, like there was a lot of marketing, promotion thing that they helped us with, but I think for me more so than anything, it was just having an established Australian fashion um, organization I guess supporting modest fashion at that grassroots level for me I was like that's more than anything that they could give it's like putting their name behind something uh, and formalizing it that was for me that was a significant part of it did you get a lot of backlash from the Muslim community doing that kind of I don't think so yeah, if it you was, got, you it got support? <laughs> whoa okay that's very I, good I don't actually feel like I got any negative uh any negativity from the Muslims personally. Like, I don't know what happened when I wasn't in the room. But honestly, I felt really supported by the Muslim community. Um, I saw, like, women were just really... It's like, I, I was like, okay, let's come, let's do this thing together because I can't do it by myself. Let's all do it together. And then everyone was just so supportive and wanted to jump on board. And again, I think it comes down to what is there for us in the community that we can do, that we can socially just get together and have a good time in a space where we know our needs are going to be looked after. Like there's going to be halal food at the event. There's going to be like modest options at the event, but we can go just to have fun. Mm. And there's going to be like a prayer space, tahara bottles, like all this stuff. I feel like you got more backlash during your hijab stylist days. Can you remind me? I have this yeah. thing I forget so anything negative. Blessing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, you got, when you were doing hijab stylist um, and you were like, there was a moment you did a photo shoot because you had started to potentially like create outfits. So you uh, were making the capes and you made the dresses. Like yeah. there were some dresses. Yes, yes. And I and I still remember this because it like infuriated me mm. um, that even though you were pioneering this space and there weren't options that, um, you know, social media warriors, there was a lot of like space for that. And a lot of people were making commentary about how, you know, the designs you were making weren't Islamic. I think oh, okay. I remember you getting backlash during that but Mod Market, I, I don't. About that. Mod Market, I still I don't, don't remember. I even <laughs> good, good, no. It's Do you remember how she dealt with insufficient. it? Insufficient. Like, um, I'm forgetting about I think it. Su- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking about Zudifir's general Sorry. approach to negative feedback, especially if it's unwarranted, which I would say this feedback was unwarranted, um, was just to say that's okay. Like she's very gracious about accepting negative negativity in general. So how about in organizing, like when organizing? And so Mod I Market? was the person who like uh. would respond to those people and be like. Okay, That's you why you remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was the organizing mod market? Do you 
Well, um, um, running it each, each year probably got bigger. It did, yeah. I, I remember the first one, which was at that little venue in on the corner Flinders of Street. Fl- yeah, yeah, Flinders Street. Um, and man, like I loved that so much. That was that was so much fun. But yeah, when you compare it to what it eventuated to, which was like this huge space, it was you know the third time you ran it was the one that Melbourne Fashion Week got involved. Yeah. So yeah. there was the Flinders Street, and then there was something else in between. I don't remember the space. Um, it was, I can see it in my mind. Wow, you even forgot that. I even forgot <laughs> but the third time Mod Market ran, yeah. and it was the biggest time when Melbourne Fashion Week got involved, that was where it was a two-day event. The first day was at the Queen Vic Market, mm-hmm. and that was strictly for used items. So, you know, community members were able to actually get involved, hire a stall, sell their secondhand items because oftentimes like Coburg, as Muslims as in Coburg yeah yeah Sydney Road yeah um but oftentimes like like at the time and in those days I actually wore hijab so our only options were either Sydney or overseas so a lot of people in the Muslim community have modest options and so yeah it was the two-day event the first day at Queen Vic and then the second day at Melbourne Pavilion yeah. um which was like it's just this huge venue and it was really professional. You had speakers, we yeah. had food trucks. It was a lot of fun. What's it some lessons you learnt from running an event at that scale? So we had about 2,000 people come. Oh. Um, so some lessons. Um, Don't do an event that big. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, not at all. It's Zulfia just... Zulfia doesn't shy away. Zulfia doesn't shy away from a challenge. Those, <laughs> I think those uh, events, probably some lessons I learned is that networking is really important. It's one of the biggest things I learned is that you need to network with people and have those relationships because that's how the doors open up for you. And I think the lessons come from where you struggle. And I'm bringing that up because that was a struggle of mine. I'm like, I remember that being an issue. Like, okay, here's an event that we have. We have people who want to come. We've shown that this is a need in the community. People are coming. But then it was like, okay, how are we going to get funding to actually support this? How are we going to get sponsors? How are we going to get Muslim brands on board to sponsor this event? And I think that was the biggest struggle. And then, um, so for me, I'm like, okay, that was a lesson that I learned is like, constantly nurturing and building and networking relationships uh, in order to allow whatever projects you're working on to succeed, you know. I think and that was, was a big lesson. mainly you two on the team? Was it a big team? Like no, running? we had a team. We had – we had uh, so Iman, because Iman's my best friend, like she was there from the beginning informally as well, but then she joined the team officially, the last one that we did. Mm. But we had about like I think around eight or ten people in our core team and then we had all up, it was like 50 people, including volunteers. volunteers yeah. yeah. It's a big team. So the last year was with Melbourne Fashion Week? Yeah. How come you stopped doing it? Doing yeah. yeah, I mean, look, I went through another transition in my life. So uh, right after Mod Market, so that was at the end of 2019. And then I went through a divorce in 2020. And that then that also changed my perspective on life and, and everything. And I just thought... I was like focusing and investing in the community and I'm like now I need to rein it back and invest in myself Mm. and prioritise myself because now obviously as a single parent um, I've just got to, yeah, I've just got to really look after myself. So from 2020 until now, that's been my main priority. Because also Mod Market hadn't reached a point, and I know it was your intention yeah. initially, like it had never reached a point where it was generating income yeah. for Zufia. And I think a lot of people didn't know that. You know, like, for example, stallholders stall would pay an amount to be a part of the event. And I'm sure a lot of people had the impression that Zufia was making money from it, but she was not. 
Um, and no, we like we made money, but then that would go on all the. But like, it just covered costs. Like yeah, you we didn't, covered it costs, and we paid like all the money that I got basically spent on either paying for things or paying for the team and just you know what I mean like doing all that kind of stuff but it wasn't at a point where I was generating profit that was excess right Mm. and so I think that that's why I'm like I can't invest in this because to invest in a business you need to put into it and then not you don't expect anything back from it straight away you know what I mean like you invest and you wait a few years and so that's yeah I'm like now I just don't have the resources to invest into that because I was investing my own money uh, and that's how I was running. Yeah, and it's very easy for people just to assume because you're in the public eye. It's like, oh, she's doing big things. She must be getting some nice paychecks. This uh, and that. that definitely was not giving me paychecks. Yeah. Nine to five <laughs> paid way more than that. But that's the yeah. thing. Like, it's so easy for people to assume because even like I've had times because you know people see podcasts because it's online. It's like, oh yeah, you, dem- uh, you must be getting like good money. It's like bro, I'm putting everything I have back into <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Do you guys have that's sponsors? We've had sponsors before, yeah. but. Not frequently. Yeah. Yeah. That might be something we need to talk to you about. Every time we get opportunities, (laughs) it's always going back into it. Like, Mm. that's where, like you said, you're investing back in your business and it takes years on Mm. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's like today we ran a boys, we ran a workout for brothers. There's a sister we had on the podcast, Coach Amal, and she said you can give her, um, leave. Is she the one that is saying to have uh, creatine? Yeah. I started it because of her. No. (laughs) I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bought some and I'm taking it now. It's very good. Honestly. What does creatine do again? It, it helps bring water energy? into your muscles, yeah. apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the, it, its main thing is like it's a nootropic. It's healthy for the brain. Mm-hmm. It's got oh. so many benefits. Okay. I can send you guys a video on it. Okay. But so we, she gives us the place, but not for free. Like I told her, we're renting the space from you. The money will go to her. We do like body scans, and then oh, I, nice. she charges us obviously to keep the yep. space. And I said to the boys, like, because last week we started half an hour late. And then we were late for things we want to do. So I said, whoever comes late, you have to pay an extra $5. Yeah. And this guy here behind the camera is <laughs> like, who's the $5 going to? Is it going to your bank account? And I'm like, man, we went there nine. Th- we're there from 9.30 to 4 p.m. today. Yeah, yeah. Training brothers, doing yeah. helping people with scans. Like we make no money. All the money goes to her. Yeah. But people see, oh, 20 brothers working out. Yeah. I'm paying you each $35 because yeah, the yeah. scan and stuff. Yeah. It's like, I wish we made money from that. If we did, it's like $20. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how things are. And then you and that's why you need support of community to run events like you need sponsors. Mm -hmm. You're not going to make a profit from these events because you only have like even if you have 20, 30 people come or even 100 people, there's the more people you have, the more the expenses also go up. So I feel like unless you're doing things like selling products or you have sponsorships, like through running events, I think sponsorships is where that real uh, the income lies, because what happens is brands really want to be. Uh, they want to be associated with good things and supporting people. And so that's where you guys come in because that's the work that you're doing. But then you just need to have to connect and network with those. Uh, Is that hard groups? building like uh, rapport with businesses for sponsorships? Like especially in the Muslim community, people say it's a bit harder. <laughs> that was the hardest part for me. Yeah? Yeah, that was because everyone has their strengths. And I feel like that was something that I tried to work on. But I was like, this is tough. And the other thing, if I'm really honest, I feel like a lot of the uh, larger organisations in our Muslim community that would be making a profit that do have money to sponsor is, as far as I know, it's owned and run by Muslim men. And I feel like the networking is it's a bit difficult to do with them because you don't see them, you don't... I'm not going to go to Juma and stand next to them in prayer. Like, it's not, mm. you know what I mean? But I feel like you might have that opportunity, which is great and you should use it. But I felt like that was a struggle because I'm like, okay, as a Muslim female stepping into business, okay, we can go outside of the community and find so, try and find sponsorships. And that's like the journey that I was beginning to go on through Fashion Week. They were helping. But then it's kind of like, 
I was really looking for that from the community too and I found like that was a challenge for me. Damn, okay. And from Mod Market, you kind of said, I need to start investing in myself. Yeah. And yeah. that was through COVID, like the isolation. Yeah, right before COVID started. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that does help. COVID kind of made everyone reflect and it's like, you know, I need to maybe prioritize my family, you know, my if my friends, my passion. Like That's sometimes right. you lose uh, track of where you're going and the time just goes. Yeah. You know, months go past, years go past, and like I haven't really worked towards a goal recently. But it seems like you were kind of always jumping from the next thing to the next thing. So even you, like um, in COVID, like you start your own hobby, like roller yeah. skating. Yeah. But I want to talk about uh, branding. Like, how did you brand hijabi stylist and mod market? Like, is how important is brand to you? Um, I think brand is really important because it's what people like. You're doing something. If you're doing something like a service or um, creating a product or whatever it is, you need to connect people with that. And people are not going to connect with you or a brand if they don't know you or the brand. So I think it's important to build a connection and teach people about who you are or your brand is, what you do, and share that with people. And then the people who are interested will follow and those who are not interested, like, they won't. So I think that's the most important thing. It's brand, really, because if someone's going to invest in you or going to invest their time or their money or anything in you, their attention, like it needs to be something that they know and that they trust and that they believe in. So I feel like um, authenticity is really important in branding, like as much as possible to be authentic um, and to think about like to have good intentions and to be sincere in what you do. I think that actually comes across. Um, so yeah, I think branding is tied to those things. But with content creation, how do you find that balance with like oversharing? You know, like a lot of people feel like oh, I'm giving like too much information on my personal life. Yeah. You know, like whatever's going on. Like sometimes people will just be like an open book on social media. Yeah. And it's like, and then sometimes you want to find that balance. So how do you deal with that? Um, is that something you're conscious of oversharing? Yeah, I've got it's obviously on yeah. my mind. Mm. <laughs> like it is something on my mind. I think I find I found what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not. And I just share what I'm comfortable with sharing. And sometimes, like, I find there's some some techniques that I find useful. Okay, so, like, the first thing is I rarely ever share things that are happening in the moment. So, like, if I'm struggling with something right now, best believe I'm not going to be talking about it. People will find out when I'm better, when I'm gone through it afterwards, you know. Um, and that's not like, oh, I'm doing a challenge. Like, I, if I'm doing the challenge, I'm currently doing the challenge because I post challenges I do and things like that. But I don't think for me that's not a personal thing. That's not a struggle. I don't. I'm not personally tied to what people are going to think of that, or or it's not uh, something where I'm emotionally going to be affected by people if they talk to me about that. Like, oh, I noticed you didn't do this this week, hey? Because people talk to me about it. I don't mind that. But if it's like, oh, let's say my personal life, I'm going through this. I'm not going to be discussing that because I need to heal from that outside of people's eyes. Um, you don't share too much about your personal life anyway. At all, do you? And I feel like as your current page has gotten bigger, um, you've even, like, changed the way you, share for less. example, you share less about your personal life and you also share less of, like, you know, you used to post um, your son yeah. on your page, but now you only do that in, like, private friends and stuff yeah, like that. There's yeah. even been, like, small shifts as your skating page has gotten bigger. Yeah. How about, like, yeah. posting goals? Because that's something she kind of does, like... That's not personal. I don't find goals personal. <laughs> Unless they're personal the goal. goals, you know, yeah. like... Yeah. With something about... you have any goals as well? Like, it's in... If you're opening up, like, with all your goals, are you, 
Is that what no, you mean? there yeah. are some goals I don't talk to people about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I feel like spiritual goals, I don't discuss that with people. Yeah, but pers- that's because me personally, I feel like maybe that might shift my intention or it might, you know. But if it's like, hey, I want to do this many push-ups, <laughs> doesn't it's not that deep yeah <clears throat> and if i don't get it like it's just all part of the process but for me that's because i'm not sensitive about that but somebody else might be because they may feel like um this you know whatever their history in their life that they're sensitive about that so everyone has their own sensitive things that they might not feel comfortable sharing with people but for me personally i'm not i don't feel sensitive about what people would say or think about goals that i'm trying to achieve with the ones that I share. Mm. But, like, there are some, obviously, that I, I don't share. Spiritual goals is kind of understandable. Like, yeah. to kind of keep that. You yeah. don't, and then, but some people would be posting it online or even talk about, like, trauma in the moment or incidents they're going through, mm. which is a bit much. Like, I'm, I'm crying. I'm turning the camera on now yeah. to talk yeah, to camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no shade, but. <laughs> I've never done that before. Zippy <laughs> yeah, hasn't done that. But I think there's, like, going back to what you were saying before about authenticity, I think there's an authenticity about the way that you share your goals because you're also really honest about not achieving them. Like, for example, the splits. <laughs> like, And no, but that's refreshing. And I think yeah. that's part of why people are open to listening to you yeah. because you're honest about not achieving things when you don't. Like, hey, I've set a goal to – this is yeah. your third time, yeah, yeah, right? Is, no, in, third time no and I know that not because I remember it. I know that because you've said it. You're yeah. like, this is the third time. I've made a goal to like get my splits yeah. and it's not happening for me yeah. but now it is yeah. yeah it's good for people um, to hear that I agree but it's important it just, for it people makes to you hear human, that basically yeah. it's like yeah. oh I'm following this sister and she's like she's human she's tried three times yeah. she's still trying yeah, yeah. I have my goals I'm, I'm wanting to do the same thing I'll do yeah. it because yeah. oftentimes aspirational figures or, you know, people that we follow that do post-motivational stuff, like they're not upfront about their failures, you know, and I think that then makes – after a while it becomes like that person and the level they're achieving is unattainable, yeah. you know, whereas as human beings, like, of course, we're subject to failure mm. constantly and being open and vulnerable about that's so important, which I think Zutphia does really well. So, yeah, that's just – Thanks, um, Yeah, I reckon – I do, yeah, I don't mind sharing, like, if I haven't been able to achieve one or, yeah, I don't know. But look, sometimes, honestly, before I post, sometimes I'm like, oh, just post that, whatever, and then shut my phone and, like, leave it. You know, sometimes I do that. Um, Sometimes I share things, but I feel like that when I'm, like, I feel a bit vulnerable sharing this, but it's, I don't think it's private still. I think it's, like, sometimes, sometimes I worry, okay, what may people think about this? And then that's when I'm, like... I shouldn't really be worrying about that, you know. I, like, so then I'll just post it anyway. Mm. So it's yeah. something that you kind of, you've just your personality. Uh, you can uh, ignore criticism pretty easily. Like other, other people, if they're gonna. I feel like yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe I haven't been tested with like extreme criticism. I don't know how I would deal with it. But so far, like, if I do receive criticism, I feel like everyone's within their right. Like they're in their right to criticize. And and it's I'm so in easy my right online to, to criticize. If they did it to your face, that'll be a real test. <laughs> but then most ninety percent of people yeah, aren't no gonna. Oh, that, yeah, ninety nine percent of people no aren't gonna. Do, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. How's your um, relationship with the numbers game? The numbers game. Yeah, like posting things, you know, views, um, comments. Yeah, I think like. I feel like. Sometimes I feel like when I focus on that, it's the w- it's something that I shouldn't do. And then when I don't focus on it, I feel like it grows more authentically and organically. So, like, for example, I've been trying to grow my Instagram account. And when I started TikTok, I didn't 
try to grow that. I literally just copy pasted the content. And that's not what you're meant to do. You're meant to create like TikTok style content. But I just like repost whatever I posted on Instagram on TikTok. I didn't think about it. And then then my TikTok account grew way bigger than my Instagram account. And so I was like, well, I wasn't even trying for that, right? But I'm actually here. I am putting my effort into Instagram. And, you know, so I feel like the numbers definitely do affect me, especially because I'm like, I want to actually get my... Um, I want, I like, I want to keep my content authentic, but I also want to do sponsored content because I want to get paid from this stuff. Mm. If I'm putting my time and my effort into it, then why not, you know? But then I'm just like, I think right now it changes, but right now where I'm at in my life is like, I want to be grateful for exactly the amount of followers that I have and just being appreciative of what I have right now and not thinking about growing necessarily. Obviously, like at the back of your mind, that's something that you want to do because that's an indication that there's an interest in what you're doing. But I think recently I've kind of just like checked myself and just been like, okay, it's about who's currently following you and nurturing that space because there are like there's some beautiful interaction that I get and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's appreciating what I have. Yeah. I've never heard you mention numbers like once. Like yeah. obviously in more recent times when talks of like an agent have come, like I, I've yeah. known that that's a thought, but never like historically in our friendship can I recall Zufia going like, oh, I've got this many followers now or like, or yeah. even being at the forefront, being at the forefront of your mind. Like I, yeah, because that's the other thing about I don't about think it comes yeah. naturally to you as in like you've had to start thinking about it because – yeah, because I'm working with the agent now, so I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, you know, so like it is. Opportunities, yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, with doing, yeah, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, I guess you guys are in social media too, what's it like for you? Yeah, look, I think for us, we all have our moments, I guess, but I'll speak for myself, like early days, you start to think about it, especially when you do have like, maybe for us certain episodes or certain you know tiktoks we post and we see the numbers go a bit higher than usual it's mm. like all the excitement comes it's out it's hard yeah, not yeah, to it's get like excited all, exactly it's like all this potential it's like okay the next one i'm looking at the numbers more now it's like hang on i'm looking at the comments too often yeah 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 so it's it's more of just catching yourself out being more aware right. and really like you said going back to the current followers you have and why you, what you're posting and why mm. you're posting it yeah but it's a constant battle really well the yeah. dopamine response like i mean there's been studies done that show the dopamine response to like you know certain like to getting likes and getting like social media activity or engagement yeah. is similar to that of like that you get when you're exercising or whatever it might be so it's not like it's it's hard yeah, not yeah. to become consumed by it isn't it but I think in social media, yeah, for me, my experience is it's constantly about rechecking your intentions. I'm just always bringing it back to like, okay, why am I actually doing this here? So for me, like one of the main reasons is like on my current page before it was different, but it's like one of the reasons why I do this is to grow myself and to hold myself accountable because I feel like kind of doing it publicly is a way of holding myself accountable. So yeah, that's one of the reasons why I do it. And it's about just sharing the journey that I'm on. So it's that's not for motivating people or inspiring people. I do not plan to motivate okay. absolutely anybody. That's like literally not my intention ever. It's a byproduct, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah of yeah. me sharing. But I definitely do not see How about like challenges? Because haven't you just like said, hey, you know, everyone start a new hobby and you do those kind of challenges? Yeah, but the thing is, the way that those challenges happen is, is like I'm doing a challenge and if you want to join and do one, you can as well. Mm. Yeah, because like I, I started where I did my own one and then people were like, talking to me in person they said be like hey you know like I knew I know that you're doing a challenge I actually started doing this as well so then with the challenge I did after that I was like oh if you guys want to join me you're welcome to and I'll hold you accountable because I love having accountability partners so what I would do is I'd literally be like okay who's doing the challenge and then like 
everyone would DM me whoever's doing it. And then I would make videos every week and like tag every single person and be like, okay, like oh, how wow. are you going with yours? How are you going yeah. with – yeah. That's so cool. like – Yeah, the first time you posted a challenge was not about getting people to follow along. But I think it's just – and I think it's a reflection of your intention and the fact that you're going into this not to like – inspire i mean like there's nothing wrong with wanting to inspire people god that came across a bit catty but no like that's not your intention you're just you're sharing from a very genuine place and that is what attracts people to want to so like i remember at one point everyone in my family and not by any like like not because I was pushing them, but every single person in my family at one point was doing one of your challenges. Oh, so like, cool. yeah. So like I was doing yoga every day yeah, and then mum was doing the her oh, toddler yeah. practice every day. Yeah. Right. Like it was a whole thing. So yeah. Good. Do a lot of your close friends tag along on your challenges? Uh, I don't do challenge 30 day challenges anymore. I used to like, that's what I was doing before. And then now I'm doing a one year challenge. Like this year I'm like one in for year. the, yeah. Like 2023 is my year to level up my life. Inshallah. What's so. the challenges? Now that all the fair income listeners are going to hold you accountable. <laughs> Please do. I don't mind. I'd love that, actually. She'll start tagging them. <laughs> Tag three people. So, that, so my uh, my intention this year is to level up my life. And I, ha- I haven't – I've done it differently this year. So before it's like I'm going to do – I want to achieve this, I want to achieve that, or do this for 30 days. Whereas now it's like I'm giving myself one year and I'm going to invest in myself. So I've kind of split it up into, okay – just creative, spiritual, um, like health, fitness, and then I can't remember. The, oh, financial was the other one. They're the ways I want to level up my life. But I don't have a specific goal for them. And it's like a really different way of working because in the past I pretty much like to like have a goal. Whereas I said like now what I'm going to try is just I'm just going to try investing in myself consistently and see where that, where that leads me. Mm. Yeah? So – uh, I actually got rid of my vision board. I've had a vision board up for like, I made like a really personalized, detailed one. I got rid of that. I was like, I'm not going to have a vision board. And I just kept one quote on the vision board, which was basically about accepting who I am. So for the first six months, I'm like, I'm just going to fully accept, work on accepting who I am right now. Not who I'll be when I achieve my goals, but accepting me right now. And then allowing myself to achieve, like become who I am from that because you in order to change, the, the thing is like to, to truly change, you need to accept who you are first and then the change happens. But if you feel like you'll accept yourself once you change, it's kind of working backwards, right? So, yeah, it was it was more like I'm just going to be consistent. So it was like going to the gym. All right, I'm going to go to the gym every day, five days a week for six months. That was my goal. And then I ended up doing it, alhamdulillah, I averaged like four days a week okay. for six months yeah you did have some specific goals like you wanted to be able to oh yeah i wanted to, to lift my lift son up <laughs> i want to lift my son up over my shoulders he's 20 he was 22 kilos he's 23 now <laughs> so well i still like i've posted like a progress video actually i do have you, goals you but did, they're not like 45 one i think <laughs> i saw like 100 workouts was it uh yeah yeah i got 100 workouts i just that was so that was six months so it was like I do have these goals, like so I can lift my son up to about here, but like going from here to here with twenty two kilos is yeah, it's oh, not easy. You get there, <laughs> yeah, inshallah. So um, yeah, like I do have little goals like that. Actually, you're right, Iman, but it's not like I sat down and I wrote down a whole list because in the past I'd have like a vision board with like this is what I want, this is what. Whereas this is just more like consistency was my main thing. Like, sure, my goal is to carry my son, but my main like con- thing is like I could just go to the gym every day five days or four days or whatever you're doing mindset because like 
we do goal setting. Yeah. And we kind of have that, like, by the end of the year, you want to memorize this or lift this at the gym or yeah. save that much. Yeah. Do you feel like this approach is better for you at this time in your life? Is that what it is? Or just in general? Like, no, like, just this like time going in my forward. life. This time okay. in my life, yeah. Because I was like, I just want to focus on the best thing in me. I just felt like I was really, like, trying to... I don't know if, you know, your listeners can relate, but I was trying to invest in other people, expecting them to invest in me. Um, but really what I realised is, so I drew, like, this picture at the beginning of the and it's in my head. It's like there's me and it's like arrows pointing out. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just constantly giving, giving, and I'm running on empty. And so then I drew another picture next to it, which was me, and then I drew the arrows, like, coming back going out and coming back into me so it's like re like giving my energy back into me and investing in me as much as I can and then and then you when you do that I think people will follow along like that love and that what I was expecting before maybe that you know when you're expecting someone to love you or someone to you know give you friendship or uh, make you feel like loved all these kind of things right whatever you're looking for appreciation if you give that to yourself then you won't be looking for in other people and then I think people will be attracted to that naturally. That's what at least that's what I'm hoping, you know. And so that's what I've been working on. It's yeah. And you've been pretty consistent like through the eight, nine months without a goal, like without a target, like more just with the um, systems. Yeah. The four days a week. The or systems actually, yeah. yeah, I like how you specified that. So as opposed to having the end target, it's more the systems. It's your atomic habits book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually reading that right now. Yeah, I, uh, I read it last year. He's coming to Melbourne soon. Yeah, I, don't so know. I was that. thinking of you yeah, when I heard clear. that ad yeah. and I was like, I should get this. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm good. I'm just reading his book because I'm appreciating everything in the book. So it's my second time reading it. Um, and the second time is so much better than the first. I feel like the first, I took away like one thing from it, uh, which was habit stacking. And then the second time around now, it's just more about, um, I feel like I really understand what he's saying on a deeper level, I guess, just maybe where I'm at in my life. Yeah. But, yeah, the system. that's the beauty of books in general. You're always, like, the more you read them, yeah. the more you take away. Yeah, yeah. depending where you are mm. in life and what you're looking mm. for that's as right. well, you'll find it. You read yeah. the same thing but understand it differently. Mm. Do you have trouble with being yeah. consistent, like, towards these? Because sometimes you have, like, yeah. tough months, you know, or weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're laughing. I, I feel le- like... It's tough yeah. to answer. Yeah, it is. It's like reality. But this is I'm, not la- I'm not laughing because I... Like, because I'm laughing because I actually think you're one of the most consistent people yeah. in my life. Like, I've never known Sudifia to set a like to set a goal or say I'm going to do something mm-hmm. and then for lack of consistency, not achieve it. Like, it's... I'm laughing from like a... You're so good at this. I wonder if you're going to share and, that. I'm happy she's on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like this was not the intention yeah. at all. I thought she was going to embarrass me. She's just like my. No. She's being so supportive. I have a problem with oversharing, so it's not even embarrass you from like a, a want to, but a just like an unintentional. But the beauty of this is that we can edit it out. So so far, I'm doing. It. Um. So I reckon, in terms of consistency, I don't think I'm a consistent person. I don't think I'm consistent, but I know from what people say to me is like, oh, people have said to me, you're the most consistent person I know. You you know what I mean? So it's all relative. So I look at my dad and I'm like, he is a consistent man. My dad, you know, mashallah, he'll do something every single day. 
like clockwork for years yeah and i see it from like watching him since i was a kid so like he will just if he says he's gonna do something he will do that thing and it's not even about how he feels like it's just about the discipline he has discipline and i remember talking to my dad about this and i'm like how do you do this like like how do you always you know make yourself like be consistent to do the thing and he's like it does it's not how you feel it's like it's not about how you feel like you just do it so in his way he's basically saying why are even feelings even coming up it's discipline you said you got to so, so when i see my dad i think i'm like a heavily watered down version of him but uh i think i definitely feel like um consistency consistency is an important value for me and discipline is an important value and interestingly this year from my whole life i feel like this year i'm really like seeing it I think in a different perspective because like I've been consistent before with studies. I've been consistent before with like shopping, <laughs> right? Seriously, like like shopping, maintaining my wardrobe. It's a skill like to maintain a wardrobe. Is it? <laughs> it is. It, no, it legit it, is. It is yeah. a skill. Yes, Maybe okay. For sisters, I guess you learn something every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hang on a sec. You guys are not subscribed. I think you guys, before you start the video, make sure you subscribe, turn off the notification bell and enjoy the rest of the video. Yeah, well, anyway, so I, I feel like it's a skill, right? Maintaining a nice wardrobe is, and anyway. If you're applying for a job, it's a skill set, <laughs> you listed. Color-coded wardrobe. <laughs> oh, when I say, okay, we can go into this at the end of the day, but like, I'll leave it there. I won't go into detail of how it actually is a skill, but, <laughs> and it comes down to consistency. But the thing is also like, I think with the gym, I think go for the, because I've tried that like a couple of times in my life and I've never been able to be truly consistent. So this is the first year of my life where I have started to do that. So what I'm realising about consistency, it's not about like, am I a consistent person or not? I think it's more about like, inherently, I don't think I am, but I am, I've noticed with myself personally, like I have to try something at least three or four times and then by after that, then I'll see consistency in it. So like I will try to like really try as well, like say I'm going to eat healthy now. So I've tried in the past to do it a few times and I'll try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. And then eventually I get it. Like I see that. And because I've seen that in some areas of my life, it motivates me and inspires me to be like, okay, I think I've got this. The reason why I haven't done it in the past is because I'm just learning, but I'll get there. So I kind of have that vision of it is possible through consistency. Yeah. But a lot of people go, I'll try once or twice and be like, that's enough. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I, during COVID, bought a $800 keyboard, did two piano lessons and okay, and like haven't touched it again since. Whereas you, even if you start and then stop for a bit, you always go back to something, especially if it's something that you... I try to, yeah. I reckon I try to because I, I've seen, like, I've seen, like, my fir the first work, work ethic I've seen, like, besides my dad was, um, it, it's, my dad's wasn't work ethic, it's more consistency and discipline. But the first person who had work ethic that I saw was my chemistry tutor. Uh, and he went to, like, Melbourne High and he is a doctor now and he's just an amazing guy. But he is the first person that showed me what, actually like real studying is what hard work is consistently like constantly putting in that effort what people at top schools actually do versus at my school like what people would consider you know putting in a lot <laughs> of effort. So we could like this guy so all right year 12 he was telling me by the end of term one they have finished unit three and four they are doing practice exams in unit in term two yeah, yeah. and he's like 
And I was like, so at my school, if you even do two or three <laughs> practice exams, I don't like, I went to a good school, but it's like the, the, the expectation was different. So it's like, you know, if you did all the expect, if you did all the past exams on the VECA website, then you were like, that was awesome. Like, wow, you did all the eight or nine past exams. Whereas he was like, we do hundreds of past exams, hundreds. The school will pay for them or they'll get – and so they have, like, books where it's, like, just – so, like, that's what they're doing in, you know, in the middle of the year so that when the end of the year comes, they've sat exams. They know exactly what they're doing. It's just another exam for them, right? So it's, like, that work – and he would say to me, like, the amount that he would study in – and I kind of just felt like I never even saw myself as someone intelligent, but I was, like, I know if I'm consistent, then that's when, like, the real results come. So I feel like what could – having been consistent with some things in my life has shown me that what you get at the end of it, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, even if you don't have a skill, even if you can't do it, even if you are not um, not good at something, you're not naturally good at it, it's fine because you can get further than someone who is naturally talented if you're willing to put in that work and just be consistent. And you kind of use that for other areas of your life? Like yeah, that, that motivates way. me. That's why I'm like, so to answer your question, I don't think inherently I'm a consistent person, but I try to practice it because I've seen the benefits of it. Interesting. Mm. And look, we don't obviously know your entire family, but from who we do know, we can kind of see that, you know, your family, um, your siblings, they're trying to do things that in the community, trying to help community yeah. any way they can like that's mm. something that um, is common uh -huh. between your siblings yeah. is that something that your how your parents raised you like was there something that was brought up like your your job should be a service to the community that's something you guys or is it just um i think my i think if i look at my parents i see that um my parents do serve the community like they do their own their own in their own way they contribute to community um so community has always been a big thing yeah uh, i think community has been a big thing and then growing up very early i went into yma as you know and like that is service oriented it's all volunteer so i'm volunteering from when i'm like 12 years old until i'm like in my late 20s so i think that was also another big place and my parents saw that and they would be happy for us to go to – like they would think, yeah, it's fine. Go to all the volunteering events. Do all the stuff you need to do. They never saw it – like they always saw that as a good thing. So I think them supporting that and um, going to – going there, I feel like there was a lot of positive um, skills I picked up from volunteering and, you know, the idea of khidma was a huge thing and it's like always serving. So I think like seeing service not as like, oh, I'm helping them but actually – I'm benefiting from serving other people on many levels. So, um, and my siblings also went through that as well. So maybe that has influenced them. Um, yeah. How about, because um, one thing we see sometimes here with Fed Income, we try to, we're expanding what we do. Okay. Like we were slow. We're trying to. We just posted a YouTube video last week. Amazing. We made videos today. We did the yeah. brothers workout. Yeah. Like so, there's three different things we're doing. They're still under fed income, but we're slowly branching out what we do. Fed income. So <laughs> hey, Someone can I wanted to say that at some point today. I'm so sorry because I'm not uh, like a long time listener. Where did the name come from? I'm sure you've explained that in a podcast. Gone. Yeah, we have. Maybe you have to go listen to that. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Um, no, just let me say, this one. guy here behind the camera thought of it. Okay. And it was, it was initially a joke, wasn't it? Like, just like, oh, what if it was the name, we put the name Fed Income? Yeah. And then it was a bit, like, quiet, and I was like, 
Yeah, it rings a bell. <laughs> then we just like, yeah. You gave and it some it's time. not trade like it's not trademark. There isn't another podcast called. I'm not feeling podcast. I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah, I think it's also good because like. It's not also like an Islamic name, even though a lot of our uh, guests are Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Like we had, we asked for a sponsorship, like on episode five. Like oh, that's that YouTube for sponsorships. Yeah, and one guy goes, you know, you you guys are early on. Why not change your name to like Fedinkum on Dean? Oh, but we didn't want that like <laughs> doesn't have the same ring to <laughs> it. That's what I thought, and I'm like, we don't want us to straight away be put in a bubble. Yeah, like you hear Fedinkum, it's like doesn't matter which you guess. Like, oh, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. It can be like. You know, when you have these the brothers podcast or this podcast, it's yeah. like it's very you know. Mm. Uh, it limits your listeners, I think. Yeah, like exactly. it would probably push certain people away. So I think it's definitely yeah. good that it's a uh, like um and I don't know what the word is like an inclusive or a more open. And also, your first guest was a female, we'll Monique Tui. Yeah. So I was like, it's, it's not just the brothers podcast. Nah, yeah, it I is, know. but it's also not, which I like. Yeah. 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 It's one of those things where we have to, you know. Whoever can benefit the community, we try to get on. Yep. But one thing we're doing is we're we're branching out and we kind of have to like rebrand ourselves in different ways. Has that been a thing for you where it's like, okay, I need to... Uh, your man's laughing. No, I'm not <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I'm like, not laughing. When I smile, I'm just smiling. Okay, right. It's true though. When you jump from venture yeah. to venture, you feel like, oh, I have to, you know, am I the same person or do I have to brand yeah. myself in a different way? Yeah. And a lot of times people think, oh, because you do one thing, you shouldn't be able to do anything else. Like what? Like what do you mean? Has I don't know. I hear a lot of you? times, like for example, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson gets called out oh. a lot for that because he was a wrestler and then I think he used to sing or something. Now Isn't he's he like the most famous or high paid actor now. Now, yeah. yeah. But at the start, like Arnold, it's like oh, you should uh, stick to bodybuilding or stick to oh, bodybuilding. To, to, to be fair, Arnold should have stuck to bodybuilding. Let's be real, his acting's not that great. But wasn't he a governor? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, on politics. <laughs> yeah, well, I have opinions about that too. Uh, he's a Republican, so. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where people jump from thing to thing. Yeah. They get a lot of hate, especially early on. Yeah. It's like stick to what you know. Mm. And maybe for you, like rebranding yourself, like even starting like rollerblading. Like yeah. when you probably started, you want Roller skating. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. is that a thing you have to be conscious of? Like rebranding myself when I'm jumping from venture to venture, a new nah, idea? No, nah. I just, because I'm not like, I'm not branding myself. I'm just doing what I like. And so, yeah, I think if I thought of it as a business, I think it would be a lot more stressful and I'd have to think of this. Also, I'm not a team, right? You're a team. So I feel like you, the the it's a different mentality. So if it's just like, like your man said, when I started this new account that I did for roller skating, it was a personal account. If you scroll back to, don't, but like going back to my first. <laughs> I went to the last post before did the episode. You? I'm scrolling. I'm Bro, like, okay, what do I need? My first post was like, this is my new account where I'm going to be posting like photos of me and my son. And it was just like a, like a, it's like as if I had 10 friends, which I did like probably following me at the time. And that's what it started as. So in terms of rebranding, it's kind of just like I just go with the flow with what feels good for me at the time. And because this isn't like uh, something that I'm like, I have plans where I want to get here and get there. If it was, I think I would probably be considering things like what you mentioned. But it's a lot more organic than that, I think. I think it's more like Zofia has multiple interests. Yeah, and I just when, share it's, when them. it's individual, it's yeah. kind of easier. But when it's a group, it's like, oh, you guys as a group do one thing. 
So now branching out, it's like, okay. I love seeing you guys branch out. Like on a personal level, I think like recently I've seen posts about you guys going to the gym and that like, that's so exciting to see. I'm like, it's nice that, okay, they're interviewing. So what I see is you're interviewing people and you're like sharing people's stories and lessons, but then you're also sharing your own journeys as well. Uh, and I like that. And then you're going to the gym and I'm like, okay, so they're showing their journey of self-improvement too, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I so think it's what your man touched on. It's like you humanize yourself. Sometimes yeah. on a podcast, you might have a nice quote or talk about a nice yeah. book. It's like, damn, this guy's productive all the time. Yeah. That's not reality. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of show that, it's like, it's nice to see people along the journey. Yes. Instead that's of right. the 40 year old millionaire who created like 10 businesses, but mm. yeah. you don't see the stories in between. That's right. And yeah. like, mostly, like, I feel like a lot of males, like, if they were going to be showing gym content, it's going to be of them like ripped with like, they've made it yeah, they're, they're with yeah whereas you guys are on the journey there of wherever you want to go <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know you want me to show you my body scan, <laughs> <laughs> body scan today. yeah show me your body scan <laughs> you know it's so no, funny but like are you at where you want to be <laughs> oh that's confronting no no Look, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm very proud of where i'm at mashallah but that's not my question. That. <laughs> question i'm sorry are you at your ultimate goal no but Physically. i think you ever will be that's yeah. Yeah. Wow, I really Ultimate have touched a sensitive yeah. spot. I'm yeah. so sorry, no, guys. But if you think about it, <laughs> if like you ask me, I'd be able to answer straight away. But like, I have to understand that everyone. But is then, can you pick up your son? No, uh, so I haven't reached yeah. my goal. It's same, like that's the thing. But then I don't think my goal will ever get reached. It's always like okay. you in a year. Like right. I'm proud of where I am. Okay, but they're just proud, not satisfied like that. But I was it, just saying that because I didn't want sensitive. you to feel like well, I was insulting. We're still showing our content, so it's fine. Like, <laughs> you're still what? We're still showing the. Cl- That's uh, what I'm journey, saying. Yeah. Like you're on a journey, so you yeah. obviously haven't reached a destination, but you're on that journey, and so you're better than where you were last year, but you still have space to grow. Yeah. And so you're showing that. That's yeah. that's all I was saying. Yeah, but it's good, like, because even you know having the workout. Yeah. It's like if we want to tell train the brothers, like we have to hold ourselves accountable. That we c- imagine training twenty brothers and eighteen of them are more fit, in better shape than you, and stronger than you. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. okay, now this is gonna hold us accountable, but we need to set a standard. But that's beautiful. That's the thing, like about I think teaching or just being in that space. I remember when I was doing my teaching rounds, I saw a quote at, uh, that has stuck with me since, and it was at a school for like gifted students, and it said, "At this school, every teacher is a student, and every student is a teacher." And I think when you work with people, and so for you guys in this respect, you're training people, Mm -hmm. but I think holding, you know, or part of attracting people and part of people continuing to be with you is that you're not arrogant about where you are. Like we're doing this not because we're the best, we're the fittest, we're doing this because we just want a community vibe. And so it's not that you're standing up there upholding yourself as like, you know, the ultimate gym guru or whatever it might be i think i think it's better mm. that way yeah, yeah. You're, you're on the journey and you're sharing it. it's like if you take people roller skating it's you're trying to get them maybe into the hobby and trying to show them how fun it can be it's like oh this is a skill you could pick up it's not like you're going to train them to be the number one in the world mm. no like zufia was inviting people to come roller skating with her and join her roller skating journey like from the very start like from day dot you were I, w- I wasn't trying to recruit from then because no, I just wanted people to skate with yeah you were just like this is so oh, fun I'm falling all the time but come join well, me actually the, par- the park and also the suburb that I live in at night time is not one that you want to be at mm. and like that's the only time I had to skate because by then my son's asleep then I can go you know do your son skate yeah, but by that at that time he was like two or three, so oh, he could okay. he was just learning to walk. So um, nah, that he could have wa- he was walking by then. How many of your <laughs> friends picked up the hobby with you? Uh, 
to be honest, a lot of them picked up, but they're not very like have They're not very consistent. consistent. Is yeah. that something where you see where you're like? Because I see it sometimes, like for example, Ali with the language or something, where he goes, "Oh, I'm gonna go do an hour a day or half an hour a day." Now he speaks Spanish pretty oh, well. Oh man, that's and amazing. Then, and then I can't. And it's like, oh, if I just tagged along for those half an hour, is it something you look at sometimes? You know, if you're picking up each other's skill or language, it's like, oh, if I should have just did that. Like, is it like a regret kind of thing that you both feel sometimes? Uh, I definitely see Zutphi as a source of inspiration. I I did pick up, like, I did go and spend $150 on skates after she inspired me. But once again, I'm not a very consistent person, so I didn't follow through. And there are times where I'm like, oh, man, like, it would be so cool if I was able to spin on skates. And if I'd just been that consistent, I would have. But I just think, I also think comparison is not the best thing to do, you know, and people's life circumstances are often different. People's personalities are different. Their priorities are different. So as much as, you know, sometimes I do go, oh, like if I, I wish I, I do often say to myself, I wish I could be as consistent as you'd feel like in other, you know, respects or on, you know, in other personal goals I might have, but I never then go, oh, like I regret it. No, not not really. I think that's the main thing when like Monique Tui, when she came on, um, the big takeaway I took from that is she said comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's a like a like a famous yeah, poet. Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, there that, you yeah. Go. But then poet. it's like that kind of thing. It's like if you just keep comparing yourself, you will never be happy because sometimes it's not even your own goal. Like for example, Spanish. Oh, that'd be cool. But do I want to learn Spanish? If I could pick a language, maybe it's like mm. I'd rather be fluent in Arabic. It's like it's not even your goal. Probably why I didn't even do it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But it's one of those things like it's not an interest of mine and then it might be interesting to someone else. But then you look and you're like, damn, I wish I had that. Mm. Like we compare things we don't even want if we could have it. And that's that's a it's a bad mindset to have, especially around mm. friends or family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me there's a, I wanna touch on now your things you want you're doing. You have a marriage workshop. Yeah, is that yeah. correct? Well, it's no, like it's not a marriage workshop. <laughs> marriage, <laughs> it's no, not, not, not a workshop. It's a, it's a Muslim singles networking. Okay. Yeah. How's that going? Yeah, so we've held three events so far. It's the over 30, so none of these brothers can come, yeah? No, it's actually 27 and up. 26. Still none 26. of the brothers can come. Soon, <laughs> <laughs> next year. Uh, yeah. I think um, the we'll reason why we'll we can... I'm sure the age range will expand once it grows, but... Mm. I don't no. know. Honestly, like, we're just seeing, like... So I started it with my friend Samaya. I think... Do you guys know Samaya Asfat? She's also... Maybe. Maybe yeah. my face. Yeah, so um, we started it together and it was just something that began because we were just thinking, like, it's actually not that easy to meet people. So <laughs> difficult. Especially <laughs> nowadays <laughs> after COVID. Yeah. No, just... Universally, General. like, yeah. It's I got married in... I By the way, congratulations. I don't think I said it to you in person. I was so happy when I saw that, that you guys got married. And I didn't even know. I just saw it on Instagram. On the stories. And yeah. I was like, oh, That's just how it is nowadays. Really right? happy. Sorry, yeah. I'm like genuinely yeah. happy for you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So in Feb, we did the Walima. Mm-hmm. And then these none of the brothers here are married. And I tell them, I can't even advise you on where to meet someone. Because how hard it is. It's like most people I know meet on social media. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable with that, it's like... Yep. Go to an event, don't know how to talk to them, but like... Well, it's, yeah, but that's it's the other hard. thing. That's the other thing. Okay, so... Um, and by no means am I an expert on this topic at all. I'm just somebody who's in this situation and is just trying to do something about it. So, but you just said go to an event. Okay, but then why can't you meet people at events? Because sometimes it's segregated, it's yeah. awkward, you're going up to a girl, she's in a group of her friends. 
It's, yes. just, it's just not so the, the way. It's not just it's just not the done thing anymore. Yeah. People the, don't approach you and per- like it well, seldom common, happens. Yeah, because yeah. people will talk about it. You know, the way that the segregation works. Like I, I definitely believe that there's a place for segregation, but just the way that it works and the extent of it, sometimes it prevents Muslim men and women from actually meeting, even like having a, a just a normal polite conversation. Um, and I think that this is a topic that there's many different views about because some people are very strict and some people are a bit more open and lenient. But so the people that we cater to at our events is people who are open to meeting. It's very much like a work setting where, you know, at work we have meetings or you have like icebreakers and the activities like that. So it's that kind of a setting. It's a very respectful setting and it's uh, at a place where it's a public setting. And there's about – so the events we've had so far, it's like 20 uh, – females and 20 males and so we have we run group activities so people can like and then we switch the groups up so that people can have an opportunity to meet everybody there and then there's no like exchanging numbers with each other on the night what happens is that we actually uh, you kind of just make a note of anybody that you were interested in and then if there's mutual interest we connect them together so, like, we'll what? share the email addresses. Okay. And then it's up to them where they want to go from there. So, and I think that it's important because in the community, like, there, there is dating apps. Like, for example, there was one place that I, want, I was asking them if they would be open to us using their venue. And he said, oh, he actually said, sister, I don't think this is the right way for people to meet. I said, okay, that's, that's fair enough. I said, then tell me where can people meet? And he said, I don't know, dating apps. I'm just thinking dating apps are actually private. They're fully private. So if you're being conservative, if that's why you're saying no, then I find that interesting because dating apps are actually, for people who are conservative, that's actually like a private conversation. It's very different to like what we're doing, which isn't, I don't, so that's why I'm saying like, I know that this is a topic that we can't all agree on, but in in our capacity, I feel like this is a service that the Muslim community needs and if there's, and I, I pray that God guides us to do it in the best way, but this is kind of the way that we felt, you know, is the way to do it. So I like yeah. the approach, like, because sometimes people see the Muslim and they think it's like a speed dating. Yeah. Where it's like 20 tables and then you kind of just do circles and that kind of thing. Like, I'm not too sure. I've never been to a marriage networking event, so I wouldn't know exactly how it goes, mm-hmm. but that's what I've heard. So it's interesting that you took a different approach to it. Yeah. So, like, yeah, So, but by the end of the night, though, everyone has had a chance to talk to everyone. Um, it might not be for long because the event's two hours. Yeah, and so that's kind of the way that the event runs. So it's not like a marriage workshop, but everybody who goes there is going there with the intention to – because they want to eventually be married. And they you just pretty much let people know, like, your age and if you've been married before and if you have children. They're the only things that kind of – are required of you to share and then after that it's because everyone's adults and that's why we didn't organize it for people under 27 it's like by the time you're 27 if you haven't already been married by then then you would be looking for a place to meet people and you're not shy about it because when you're younger maybe it might be awkward to come to an event like where everyone has that intention like we're here to Mm. i know personally like brothers that are 23 24 they might say I don't. I don't want to go to a marriage uh, networking. Yeah. They have MSAs like Islamic yeah. societies, and they're yeah. seeing all these sisters and have, you know, they're going to events or something like that. So I think it's a it's a good age. It's better yeah. to keep it like that. Because by like then uni's finished. Yeah, yeah. Your Muslim societies are over. Yeah. And so now it's like, well, where if you work nine to five, where are you going to meet somebody that is a Muslim? Because if you're in your workplace, if there's no Muslims, then mm. it just really li- it's very limiting. And I think the reality is. 
people are turning to alternatives, which is actually a lot worse than coming to an event like this. So I feel like this is yeah. trying to be the middle part. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the the older you get, you get set in your ways as well in terms of um, keeping your small social circles. You're not mm. as open as well meeting new people. Yeah. That's the, like there's a lot of people. It's not everyone. But, but it is also harder to meet people at that time like and even yeah. as friends forget because people like have their circles already established yeah and you're also busier you've got more on in your life and yeah. so it's hard to juggle and so you're not looking for new opportunities mm. to socialize and hang out and so yeah the opportunities to meet people um are lessened so what type of um like icebreakers and activities do you guys do i'm just you have to come to one of the events we try and keep them like uh, like interesting but okay. also you know yeah, like I, it's just very much like give um, people some inspo. Because <laughs> I'm trying like to think, because like sometimes, yeah, it, you can kind of get the feel at the start where people aren't willing to be so open early. Yeah, people, and then we and always go based maybe. on feedback. You're so right because the first event we're like, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna plan this whole event out so that it's not awkward because we don't yeah, want this to be awkward right. for anyone. So then everyone who came to that first event was like, <laughs> we love this. We would come again, but the first ten minutes. As soon as we walked in, like, it was awkward. We did it. So I was like, all right, we're going to fix the first 10 minutes. So then for the next event, as soon as people walked in, we had a plan of, like, before you came, you answered email questions. And then ev everyone who answered, like, similar questions was grouped, but they didn't know why they were grouped together. So it was what kind of like questions? as soon as – it was like, well, do you prefer, like, hiking or um, – ah, okay, yeah this or do you prefer mountains or the beach do you prefer run gym or like therapy it was like these kind of questions so then people and so that we'd group them based on that so there'd be a group of like six or seven people sitting together and they've all chosen that they all like biking right or like cycling whatever so that's and then so that first 10 minutes was them discussing like oh what was it and so it's just getting to know each other but also just you know like that was the first as soon as they walk in there's something to do and you know, having people greet them at the door and saying like this is your name tag come through I think like all these things and then we did get feedback that it was it wasn't awkward for them in that next event so like you know we just go based on feedback you're gonna be doing it once a month or not once a month so we've done three so far and we're just like taking a break and we're thinking that we might actually like to organize like uh, a more open event where it's not networking it's just muslim singles attending an event and we might even invite a sheikh or even personal development just people to come give talks and insight about preparing for marriage and relationships and itself okay. is know. that because it was capped at 20 people as well so the it's like event. the same people come each time 20 yeah. each gender yeah it's like it so it's 40 people at an event yeah. um it, I, but the thing is the same people won't come so like just even based on like availability on things like that so i'd say for the second event we had we repeated the same age group uh and we had i think four people come from who were who had attended before and like there were some who wanted to come that couldn't and i think you know so they might come to another event okay it's yeah. actually beautiful it's yeah. a it's a good initiative to have and that's i think what more muslims need to do is find the gaps like even like us when we started the podcast, like okay, that's a gap. You found your own gap, yeah. Like yeah, there's this doesn't exist, so you created it. There's nothing wrong with improving what's already there, but sometimes that's all we do. Mm -hmm. We just keep improving mm -hmm. what's already here, and no one's like, okay, well, let's start something new. Like the sister we had on Coach Amal, she's like sisters only gyms, because a lot of times there's like Fernwood or Derham have like a sister section, but it's like okay, how about a family or community that can train together and push each other. Like, okay, that's a good thing. And then just keep looking for gaps. Mm -hmm. And even in content creation, like, that's a big thing. You know, find your niche and then just execute on it. Yeah. 
So yeah. um, I wanted to get maybe get some parting advice on content creation and uh, consistency and stuff like that. If you have any parting um. advice for the audience, because there's a lot of people that sometimes feel uncomfortable to start even a new hobby themselves. They want to start archery or sport, going to the yeah. gym. Yeah. And then second thing is even uncomfortability with posting being active on social media like that's something they've always wanted to do i have so many p friends that go i'd love to make you. youtube videos i'd love yeah. to you know yeah. be yeah. content creator so last two points okay so the first thing that you mentioned was about consistency the second one's about posting yeah so okay if i had something to say about consistency i would say that from my personal experiences of trying and failing and trying i would say that you need to you need to just start in when you're not ready that's the most important thing so starting even when you're not ready when you don't have the resources even if it's like i know it may sound silly but even if it's just like five minutes or something small of what you want to do right um that's important in consistency and then um not basing on how you feel so I think a lot of people, whenever I talk to people, they ask me, how do you stay motivated? And again, like I remember what my dad said about motivation and how it's not on motivation, it's on discipline. It's about, I said I'm going to do it, so then I'm going to do it, not based on how you feel. So I think that that is, and then like you're going to fail. This is more than one thing I'm saying. But anyway, like you're going to fail. It's a given. Like I'm, I've been like uh, with a coach now for probably four weeks and doing my own healthy eating all up. So like seven or eight weeks. And then there was like a week where I was with my coach where I just went back to eating normal food. I was like, oh, it just doesn't feel good. Like I'm not being true to what my goals are. But then after that, I was like, all right, just get back on. Like, And I just got back on. So I feel like it's like not making, not hating your whole self when you haven't stuck to something you said you're going to do and realizing you're human. But you just got to like start again and start anywhere when you start again you know what I mean so yeah I think like it's just about not having these high expectations just start anywhere it's not a based on how you feel it's just based on you said you gave your word now you gotta do it consistency mm. how about content creation content creation okay I think the reason one of the reasons if I think about why people don't want to share it's worrying about what people are going to think it's the opinions of others um, and I think it goes beyond content creation and it that would be like one thing I know is that the way you show up in one area of your life is how you're showing up in other areas of your life. So if you're running late to work, it's not just that you're a late person to work. You're generally not respecting time in more than one place likely. So uh, the same way as in if you're, if you're uh, conscious of people because and you're not posting because of that, then there's a chance that you're not living authentically in other areas of your life because of the same thing you're worried about. So I think it goes beyond even content creation. Um, and I think that, so then it comes working on your confidence, working on accepting yourself for who you are and not who you think you need to be or who you think people want you to be or how you should look. And it's just, it's just people, I think even myself, you know, we all fall into this trap of if I was this, then I would be, if I were, you know, but it's like, well, Allah gave you what you have right now. So it's about being grateful for what you have right now and then I think when you start being grateful for what you have you start accepting what you have and then doors open for more you know so I think like if you focus on being grateful for what you have and the skills that you do have and the face that you have and the muscles that you have or like wherever the levels that you're at there if you accept that and you're grateful for it and then you you know then I think you can share it without worrying too much about what people think so yeah 
Drop the mic. <laughs> Was there anything you wanted to touch on before we wrap it up? I wanted to hear about um, my st- have you a have story. I have a story, story. Have a story so about so Ali. Is, <laughs> so obviously you've put yourself in uncomfortable situations yeah. ever since a young age. You said your first teaching experience was 16 years old yeah, and yeah. you taught me, yeah. some of the other students as well. And you said yeah. you had a story. That's right. Is so this worth, is this it's worth, worth sharing. It's okay, such a beautiful story. Okay, it's good, up to good. you if you use it. No, or you oh, it's not embarrassing at all. Okay. I think it's beautiful. So, And I'll remember it. I'll remember it. And it's actually like it touched me so much because it just reminded me that it goes back to what you are saying about children teaching you and you teaching children. Well, sorry. Just everyone just being teaching able to in learn general. from each other. Yeah. But because I was teaching children at the time, so I was just uh, well, in class and I was telling the story of how there are people in this uh, who live amongst us that are descendants of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And then, do you remember now? No, I'm just laughing. <laughs> it's just the anticipation. Did yeah. Ali say he was? No, no, no. no? Thank God <laughs> Uh, he was just like uh, I was, t- and he was amazed. He was what? So you're saying that there are people right now who related to the Prophet peace be upon you? And I'm like, yeah, like their, um, you know, their parents, parents, parents was related to his daughter. So that's how they're, you know. Mm. And so you were amazed by that. And I was like, and do you know one of them are even here at Saturday school with us? And then you were like, who is it? And then I said, it's the chef in the kitchen. He makes us biryani every week. And then you were like, what do you know this? No, I'm just laughing. You were like, the chef? You're like, why is he cooking? You're like, why is he cooking? He should be a king. We should make <laughs> him a king. <laughs> he shouldn't be cooking in the kitchen. He sh- we should make him a king. And, you know, like, you were just so upset that he was just doing common work. and Not enough. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was so pure because I was like, you know, we're meant to love the Prophet peace upon him more than we love ourselves. And so I feel like as a child, to me, you embodied that in that statement that you made. And so that's why for me, it was like it stuck in my mind because I thought, I don't think there was an issue with that. Like, you know, it's not, like cooking is an honorable job. But still, just the idea of thinking like this is a descendant of the Prophet and the elevation that you had put him up based on that. Mm-hmm. When I when like that just stuck with me. Yeah. How old was I? I think you're about 12. Why is 12 year old? Yeah. I wanted to touch on Iman's story if you have a couple minutes. Okay. Let's yeah. do that. Let's right. right. embrace Just it. Because this is very unexpected. And yeah, only because before we before the podcast started, you touched on a couple interesting things. And maybe you're just because of time, just maybe the, you know, the uh, four years overseas moving to Kuwait. Mm. Because a lot of times people, you know, they finish their degree they'll get a job like you did in teaching and they're comfortable here Mm -hmm. but then for you to take that change four years to move overseas to a country that you're not from Mm -hmm. i don't know if you had family or anything like that no i didn't it's so funny because i remember being stopped at paris airport once when i was going back to kuwait and being taken into an office to be interrogated because my dad (laughs) lives in saudi and i have a lot of saudi stamps on my on my passport so i was taken into a room and uh, interrogated by this officer who was just like, what do you mean you just chose to move to <laughs> Kuwait? Do you have family there? No. Do you have friends there? No. Do you know anyone there? Well, now I do. I've been there for a few years, but, you know, initially, no, I didn't. And he was like, nah. Like, he just thought there was something dodge in my story that I had moved to a foreign country. But look, I think 
I initially, if I'm being really transparent, I did it because I was running away. So I got married very young at 19 and I got divorced at 22 and I finished up my degree and I was just looking, you know, in that, when I was in that space in my life, I was just looking to run away. So going to Kuwait was a was you know, a bit of a but trauma people response. Run away. People could run away to like another suburb or you know mm. another state. But yeah. what made you choose Kuwait? Um, well, it was. Th- oh, I feel like I'm throwing shade at Kuwait now, but it was the only. <laughs> it was the only. I'd I'd always known. So growing up, I was really disconnected from my culture. Like I was always a bit embarrassed of being Tunisian. Um, because no one knew where it was and we don't really have a community here as such. And when I was in my early 20s, I really reconnected with that after a few visits to Tunisia. So I wanted to be close to Tunisia. Um, and Kuwait was the only country that was taking teachers without three years of experience. So everywhere else, like Dubai, um, Qatar, all of those countries require you to have three years of teaching experience, but I only had one and Kuwait took me. So that was how that eventuated. How about the idea of like being outside of your comfort zone? Obviously you had a motivator mm-hmm. to go there, but yeah. to stay there. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people would go six months, a year and be like, okay, it's time yeah. to go back. Yeah. But four years is quite a long period of time yeah. it's longer than a degree mm. or teaching might be four years but yeah it's still a long time yeah. so what made you stay honestly I just recalled thinking I'm never going to have this opportunity again in my life where I'm so income like unencumbered by like I don't have children I don't have a husband I don't have you know and the opportunity to travel and see the world and explore and also you know there was a part of me that was craving reconnecting with something Arabic you know so being there and because in Australia you know you grow up Muslim and you have your community but very often your Muslimness, especially as females and especially when I made the decision to take my hijab off, your Muslimness is, is held in question. How Muslim are you? How religious are you? And that's always in many ways being questioned. So I found it so refreshing um, being both in Tunis and in Kuwait where it was just accepted that I was Muslim and I was able to just be that person. And then also to live in a society where, you know, society's rules are like they're navigated around your Muslimness. So during Ramadan, you know, early, like, you know, early start, early finish, um, you know, there's Ramadan decorations, all of these things that people in those countries often take for granted. But coming from a Western country, you don't, you know, it's so refreshing to just be around people that um, share your faith and society kind of caters to you. So I loved that element of it. And also, you know, improving my Arabic was a big part of that. I just felt really connected. So those were all kind of the reasons I stayed. Also, the opportunity to travel because I've always had sort of... You got to travel from Kuwait? Okay. Yeah, you were travelling No, I've travelled my entire life. Like oh, I was yeah. born in the States and I moved... Then we moved from uh, U- the US to Malaysia. Then we moved to Australia by the time I was six. Then my parents split up and my dad moved to Saudi. So I'd spend every year in Saudi. We have no family here. So anytime we'd see family, it would be either to go to Europe or Tunis... Um, so I've always had travel bug. It's just like in my blood. That's a podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> so Next episode. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. um, how about some parting advice? Because obviously it seems like you went after 
your dreams in mm-hmm. that sense like you wanted to do something you wanted to you know have that strong connection to your Arab culture you wanted to travel you went after it in that period of time in your early 20s and a lot of our audience is yeah. uh, in that 20s um age group is there any advice you'd give for that do it like i i really i came back and i say this to everyone now if you have the opportunity like even find the opportunity to in those years of your life to go and not just travel like for a holiday but to live to immerse yourself Mm. in another country's culture like it changes you as a human being it really does i think everyone should you know, obviously, alhamdulillah, like I do recognise the privilege that we have here in Australia and the privilege that I personally have um, to have had that opportunity. But make it happen. Like at least once in your life, go live somewhere that isn't the country that you grew up in because the amount of – you obviously learn like, you know, all those cliches, you learn a lot about yourself and, and you grow immensely but it – I just think there's nothing else like it that can that can teach you in the way that living away from your comfort zone does. Yeah, yeah, that's that literally is a podcast in itself. Mm. But obviously, it's so due to time, yeah. sorry about that. But honestly, thank you both no, thank very you. much for coming on the podcast. Where can the people find you? Both of you on social media. Yeah, my Instagram. <laughs> Zofia. Zofia, it's my name. Yeah, yeah. Zofia. Yeah, yeah, like spelled Y E A. And Iman, H. where can they find you? Um, serendipity no actually no my, my insta <laughs> moniker is now iman.m.48 oh, okay. okay. which has <laughs> changed no, it used to be serendipity <laughs> thank you very very much both of you right. for coming on honestly it was a pleasure to have you both on Honestly, the episode was full with so many yeah, gems. Thank you very much. And yeah, I, I want to say because like I'm very big on this. Um, I want to say thank you guys. Like thanks to you both and to the whole team because like our society and boys in our society gravitate to often really negative male role models because that's all that's available. And so creating a space that, you know, gives especially like men and young men an opportunity to, you know, engage with positive, wholesome content I think is incredible. So you guys are doing that awesome. Mashallah. Yeah, you I agree. Hmm. Especially yeah. seeing you guys as like kids and seeing you now, it's pretty cool to see their awesome. growth. Yeah. The, we're still on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Sky's the we limit all for all of us. Let's see how we go. Now, thank you very <laughs> thank much. You. I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next week.